What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Fanalist.pod. Sean Chandler here with you, joined by Rohan Ranjan on yet another NFL podcast. Today, we're joined by Nihal once again, who was on our preseason podcast, doing a lot of rankings and stuff. So he's back, I guess, with his hot takes on he claimed that the New York Jets have a chance to win the AFC East. So hopefully we don't get too crazy takes like that once again. But well, welcome back, Nihal. Yeah, I mean, I I, I I thought they had a chance, you know, before Zach Wilson got hurt. But, you know, that's life. So you think they still had a chance before Zach Wilson got hurt? Yeah, I was, I'm playing a little bit. I'm playing a little bit. But, you know, I just need to give a couple hot takes. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Well, we are kind of almost nearing the halfway point of the season. You know, usually the season is 17 weeks long. Of course, we get that beautiful-looking week 18. I mean, I'm not complaining for more football, but um, week eight is upon us. Um, We are coming off week seven, which saw the, I think, the least amount of games that we're going to see this season because of the teams on by. Um, There are a lot of games on by. Um, A lot of lopsided matches for the most part, but I think one that I really want to touch up on is that I've I've been talking to Rohan privately, poking fun at him a lot about how I said that the Bengals would make a run for at least being second in the AFC North this year. And clearly my comments were taken in a satirical manner. And lo and behold, they're number one in the AFC North now. Yeah, Sean, I got to give it to you. Honestly, I I've, I've never seen this coming. Um, Joe Burrow looks phenomenal. Jamar Chase looks like the second coming of Jerry Rice. This might be one of the greatest rookie seasons a receiver has had since, like, Randy Moss or Jerry Rice. Honestly, it's it's pretty phenomenal. Um, their offense is just really clicking at this point, and Joe Mixon has been able to stay healthy. So, I mean, you know, shout-out to the Bengals. Shout-out to Sham for that big prediction. Honestly, shout-out to Arithra, too. I remember he was saying that they would win a bunch of games this year. I, I honestly thought they had no chance of – even winning more than six games, but this is where we are now. And they're uh, what five and two they're leading the AFC. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot to uncover. And I think it's going to be, I, I think it's safe to say another win for them. They're facing the jets this weekend. So I'd say they're going to go six and two. By yeah, of course. And of course the jets did just land Joe Flacco, which will be a second stint with the team, but I kind of want to, kick it off to Neil over here. Neil, you're a guy that of course loves wide receivers. You watch a lot of receiver work. What is it about Jamar Chase that you love? Because come on, you cannot be hating on this guy right now. You know, it's funny that he actually passed it off to me because I was literally thinking about one thing about Jamar Chase and it's efficiency. I mean, typically when you look at a receiver, right? Don't like, without even looking at the amount of receptions Jamar Chase has had, he put up 201 yards, 159 yards, uh, 77, 101. You'd think, okay, maybe like 10 receptions for that game. He, put, he Like the most amount of receptions he had was against Baltimore with eight receptions and, and he put up 200 yards. That's like unbelievable. He's been averaging over 21 yards per catch. That's amazing efficiency. Like if anything, I think he reminds me a lot of like Clay Thompson from the NBA. Just a very good, like he, he'll give you your money's worth. If you throw the ball to him, he'll get you the yards. I don't think Clay Thompson is the only guy that we could say gives you your money's yeah, worth yeah. in the world of the sports. But, yeah, I, I, I kind of get what you're saying in terms of the efficiency. Like, he's like your security blanket, I guess you can kind of say. That plays the second fiddle um, in the offense, too, of course. You know, the quarterback, in this case, Joe Burrow. Um, that was, by the way, the largest margin of victory against Baltimore for the Bengals in franchise history. So it's a huge statement when to go out there and, you know, hold that Baltimore defense only, sorry, offense to only 17 points. Um, but, you know, moving on into, you know, some of the other teams that I, like I'm really eyeballing over here is like 
the Falcons and the Colts, like they're really flying under the radar right here. I am by no means advocating for these teams to make the playoffs, but they have looked pretty good lately. And dare I say that Matt Ryan is looking like really, really good guys. Like since week three, he has not thrown interception. And I believe he has, I think 10 or 11 touchdown passes in that span. Yeah. I mean, there was rumors in the off season that the Falcons might move on from him, especially with how talented this quarterback rookie class was. Um, but they ended up not doing it. I thought that, you know, that's a, I don't know if it's a good move in the long run, but he's looked pretty phenomenal so far. Um, honestly, the real problem with the team is always, you know, ever since they've been to the Super Bowl, I would say, has been their defense. And they just haven't really done anything to solve that. It's what been like three, four years ever since their defense has really started to crumble. So, yeah, the Falcons are – they're putting on a pretty good show. But, you know, I think unless it's a shootout, you're, you're really going to struggle against some better defensive teams. Um, so I don't think they're going to make the playoffs either. But they are definitely picking up momentum. Same with the Colts. Their offenses look pretty good. You know, Jonathan Taylor, like, has, I believe, the most yards from scrimmage um, other than Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry ever since he was a starter last year, um, 2020. So that's pretty phenomenal. Carson Wentz, obviously, I don't fully believe in him as a starting quarterback. It's just very up and down with him. But they've been hot for sure, obviously, beating my Niners just a couple days ago, which was (laughs) tough to see. But... Again, Sean, like like you said, they're they're hot, but I still don't I still don't buy into these teams making the playoffs or even making a push for it. Um, real quick, in uh, regards to Matt Ryan, I feel like a huge uh, I guess a huge factor in terms of him improving his game has to do with Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts has been going off. Obviously, what he did this weekend, racking up over what hundred yards, one hundred fifty yards, I believe. One hundred and sixty-three yards. One hundred and sixty-three yards. Yeah, and and just to uh, double down on that, yeah, to double down on that, it's actually the second most receiving yards by a rookie tight end since nineteen seventy. No, yeah, definitely, and like we all knew that. I feel like for most of us, I feel like we can all agree that Kyle Pitts was going to be someone great. You know, coming into the draft, this man has an unbelievable build. I think he was getting compared to like a Vernon Davis type of player, Darren Waller type of player. And he's honestly living up to expectations. In regards to Carson Wentz, though, Rohan, I definitely agree with you. I think the Colts have to find an actual quarterback for them to really compete. But I'm looking at both, honestly, the AFC West and the NFC West. And in terms of the wild card, out of the NFC West, I think it's going to be uh, for one of the wild card positions. It's obviously going to be, I think, between the Rams or the Cardinals. But the other two spots, I have no idea who is going to. In terms of the AFC West, I feel like it is a bit more competitive. But that's going to be interesting to see how the second half of the season plays out. Just just real quick about Kyle Pitts. I mean, it's pretty phenomenal what he's doing. I think it's kind of astounding because most tight ends, you know, they usually take at least a year to transition into the NFL. I think that that's one of the harder positions regarding that, like, you know, you can still see like cornerback defensive backs, like even like linemen come into the first year and like have a good rookie season, but it's very rare for a tight end, especially to do this good. So it's really encouraging what we're seeing from Kyle Pitts. And I think people were saying he's a generational talent, even before the draft. I think that he's just showing that outright, especially in this first half of the season. No, most certainly. And like, I think that, the reason that he's thriving so much is because they're making him run those Julio Jones routes. You know, he is, um, I don't believe that Kyle Pitts is going to be your traditional tight end, you know, like everyone's always talked about as a unicorn coming out of the draft. Like he's almost like, you know, one of one guy. 
I'm not going to go out and say like, oh yeah, you know, like I've never seen anything like him. Like, you know, how many always mentioned Darren Waller. Darren Waller is the guy that I feel he deserves so much credit and it's crazy, but like, I'm, I have to blatantly say it, Rohan, like George Kittle is not a top two tight end. Like that's the reality of it because, because the thing is Travis Kelsey is up there. Darren Waller, when he plays, he's up there. Kyle Pitts is now rising up to the top five category, quite frankly, because there really are not a handful of tight ends that we can be like, oh, wow. Like they made that player. They did this, they did that. Don't get me wrong. When George Kittle is healthy, he's on the field, arguably the best ten, but it's availability. Like, where is he? I've not seen this guy play in two seasons. And that's, that's what's frustrating for me as a fan. Yeah. It's honestly very frustrating, especially as a Niner fan. Um, it's just a constant problem, especially with this team, especially with guys like Kittle, Jimmy Garoppolo, whatever it is. Obviously we know how good of a talent Kittle is, uh, especially, you know, catching ability. I think yak yardage, he's one of the best in the league in that. Um, he's a good blocker, but I think his the problem with him, which kind of separates him from Kelsey and Waller, is, is that he's really not a good route runner. And I think that though he is a pretty good elite tight end, I think that him being not available these last couple of seasons has kind of diminished his value as a tight end. So I, I got to agree with you there, honestly. Uh, Nihal, you were definitely gasping at the fact that, you know, Rohan said that George Kittle is not a great route runner. Yeah, so what do you sorry, think about there's that? A, there's some slight lag on my end. My apologies. But yeah, honestly, in terms of the whole George Kittle not being a good route runner, I actually like to differ with that. I think he's definitely a top five route running tight end. But aside from that, I do agree with you, Sean, in terms of avail- availability. And uh, honestly, I think he's the biggest reason why the Niners aren't good. They don't have a clear cut number one receiver. Yeah, you have Debo Samuel who can get yards, but is he really your number one guy right now? Like, is he really the type of guy where when you're down and like down by a touchdown, two minutes left in the game, you can consistently, I guess, like throw it to him? No, not really. I'm, George Kittle is that guy, but he's just not on the field and the Niners are struggling for that reason. No, certainly. I feel like the 49ers have so many like, like yak guys, you know, yards after catch guys. And the thing is that this team is in need of that like one guy that can go vertically and just catch the ball you know like a nice 50 yard bomb downfield boom you're into field goal range like certain situations like that but you know when we're talking about the Niners right now they also need a quarterback that can throw those balls and right now Kyle Shanahan he says that he's sticking with Jimmy Garoppolo and I understand that because again it just comes down to availability but I'm not going to lie to you after what we saw on Thursday night I know I know Rohan's gonna have a field day with this um sorry not Thursday my bad Sunday night um, after what we saw in that game this week, they go to Chicago and they play the bears. If they lose to Chicago and to Justin Fields, who they were scouting a lot, it's, it's going to come back to haunt them. Like this game has a lot of implications. I think on the 49ers quarterback situation, I am ready to, you know, kind of back up my stance about starting Jimmy Ralph because right now it's just, it just seems like the season's lost. You guys are two and four. You're only one game ahead of the Seahawks, and I'm counting the Seahawks completely out of the playoff picture right now. Yeah, I think it's honestly safe to say the season's lost. It's very disappointing as a fan. I mean, I picked them to win the division just because I thought when they were healthy, they were the best team. Obviously, health is a factor, but I don't think that's the reason why this team is losing games. It's just Kyle Shannon has completely mismanaged this team right now. You know, I still think he's a good coach, but what he's done these past four or five games, whatever it is, it's just not been a good showing for him. You know, we know how creative and genius he is as an offensive play caller, but the penalties, the constant defensive penalties, you know, the, the Carson West multiple times would just throw the ball up 
four times and there would be a defensive pen, uh, pass interference. You know, those are kind of coaching issues. When that constantly happens again and again, when the team kind of makes those mistakes, it comes down to a coaching issue. Kyle Shannon continually sticking with Jimmy Garoppolo, even after he's shown him multiple times what he is. We know his ceiling. We know his floor. He's just very limited as a quarterback. And Kyle Shannon, instead of changing quarterback, you gave up three first-round picks to get Trey Lance to solve this problem. You know, like, at this point, we know the season's lost. We know what Jimmy Garoppolo is do, can do. Why not give the kid a shot? Why not give Trey Lance a shot? I think it's just a lot of Kyle Shannon really needs to look in the mirror right now because the fan base, honestly, is coming at him with pitchforks. And he's, you know, he needs to get criticized. I, I was saying this the last time we did an NFL pod. You give him credit when credit's due, but this is a time when you really need to criticize what Kyle Shannon is doing. And so far, he's just not been good. There's no way around it. I, I'm really disappointed. Um, honestly, in regards to the whole Trey Lance situation, I do feel like he's still a very raw quarterback, and you have to still mold him into the player Kyle Shanahan wants him to be. If you throw him in right now, I feel like he doesn't have, I guess, the tools or resources to really succeed. For example, if you just threw him into next week's game uh, against the Bears, right? Uh, I believe they're without Trent Williams, right? The 49ers. Is that correct, Rohan? Yeah, he was out for Sunday's game, but he's week to week, so I'm not really sure about his status for this week. Yeah. Okay. Uh, say he's gone for the Bears game, right? Trey Lance, you put him in. He's against Khalil Mack. It's just not a good setting for him to, I guess, like get his not get his second career NFL start. Um, but yeah, I, I say this Niners team is very raw. Uh, it's just, there's a lot of question marks. I think they're just too talented to to be where they are at this record. Like I know that they had certain injuries, you know, Jason Verrett, George Kittle, Trey Greenlaw, but when you have a coach like Kyle Shannon, there's no excuse. Like you have to be, you have to coach better to coach this team up. And he hasn't done that because the way they're losing is very frustrating. It's not like they're playing well and, and they're still losing. They're playing very poorly. There's too many penalties. You know, the quarterback play is bad. They're not throwing it to Brandon Ayuk. So it's just the way they're losing. Nah, man. No, I totally agree with you like a little bit. And like, again, like I'm still going to blame this more on the players than Kyle Shanahan and like the reason that I'm still doing that is because Kyle Shanahan is still just one of the smartest minds in football and the, I I can't believe he's not showing, like, it, I, I, he's not showing no it, but the, the you because he doesn't have the players to show it like keep in mind again we were just talking about George Kittle what, what what do you do when you don't have George Kittle like that's like that's like you're usually your best receiver on your team based on who they have right now I understand Debo Samuel is there but for God's sakes, I mean, it's George Kittle. We'll see Brandon what this guy Ayuk. can do. You have Brandon Ayuk, who you traded up in the draft for. Like, yeah, but Brandon Ayuk throw the ball to him. They refuse to throw the ball. It's yeah. I mean, it comes down to it comes down to a lot of things. Like, I understand what you're saying, but ultimately, it's going to come down to like quarterbacking. And oh, I right. think that without a good quarterback, you like the playbook just minimizes so much. That's why this team has become run first for so many years and Kyle Shannon is so comfortable with that. That the aggressiveness and play calling just does die down for sure. And okay. I agree with you. It is frust- it is frustrating for sure. But it comes to a point when I think at the end of the season, I will never say that Kyle Shannon is going to be on the hot seat, but yeah, it is something to look at. Uh, San Francisco's coaching job is something that could open up in 2022, like after the 2022 season. But there's a reason why they're sticking with them two and four. There's a reason why they're looking at more of the players and not the coach. I do want to say one thing real quick. I think we've been focusing too much on the Niners offense, which has been atrocious. Don't get me wrong. But 
I think the biggest disappointment for this Niners team has been the front four. I think last year everyone was saying, okay, yeah, injuries happen. Let's just throw that season away. This season, I'm sure everyone was expecting this Niners team to be better with Nick Bosa in the mix. This front four hasn't been living up to expectations, hasn't been able to apply the pressure, which I'm sure all of us have expected. Um, yeah, I mean, if your front four is not there, argue, arguably, I think you need players on the trenches who can really make an impact. And right now, the players on the defensive side for, on the trenches for the Niners haven't been making that impact. I mean, I kind of want to counter that a little bit. I think that the only bright spot for this team kind of has been Nick Bosa. He's the only one who's really shown up. Him and uh, Eric Armstead are, you know, like top five rated in pro football focuses defensive rankings right now. Um, you know, they haven't been able to get as many sacks maybe as they would like, but it's showing up in uh, the PFF ratings, you know, as much as it is. But I think the problem on defense, honestly, is the secondary. I think we, we, we all know that. So, yeah, there's a lot of problems for this team, but I don't know if I would completely put it all on the front four. It's, like, hard to say. Yeah. I mean, like, in regards to, like, you know, your front four and stuff, and maybe you just shouldn't have traded DeForest Buckner <laughs> a while ago, but he got his revenge this week against you guys um, for sure. Um, you know, of course, you know, talking about trade deadline and stuff like that, you know, Deshaun Watson stuff's picking up a lot right now, um, and the Dolphins are the front runners for him. I did see some reports that executive league executives are saying that the Eagles and Panthers are not likely destinations for him. But after the Panthers have benched Sam Darnold, there was a report that came out, I believe it was late Sunday or early Monday, saying that this team is definitely in the mix. And um, finally, the last thing I want to touch upon is that Texans are telling teams, you have to beat Miami's offer. So it's right now looking like it's Miami or he stays in Houston. So, yeah, I think that, you know, we've heard about the Deshaun Watson trade rumors for a while now, ever since the story came out about his sexual assault allegations. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what the commissioner, Roger Goodell, does, whether he puts him on the exempt list, because the case hasn't really gone to court. There's not really been much civil trial for it. So that's going to be interesting to see. Um, but Shami right, like all the rumors right now are pointing towards Miami. Uh, I think that there was rumors that it might be a three-team deal, kind of with Tua going to Washington. So I don't really know if steam has picked up there, but it seems like Miami's offer right now is the best. And I think that Tua has just been very disappointing, honestly, in Miami. I don't know if I don't want to write him off as a bust just yet, just because he's played so little games, especially. And I feel like he hasn't really found his footing in Miami with that culture, with that offense. So maybe a fresh start for him would be better. But I think it's Deshaun Watson's camp is motivated to get a deal done to get him out of Houston. I think it's overdue at this point. So I would be very surprised if he wasn't traded by the trade deadline. Um, quick question. Uh, how, do you guys know the details about the, about Miami's offer? Or? Yeah, actually I was just going to come down to that. Apparently this, this came out and it's literally been like just a couple hours in the last three hours, the Houston Texans and the Miami Dolphins have the framework done. And it is going to be including three first round picks from what I know of. Um, and the other thing was that I don't believe that they will be getting any second round picks in compensation, despite the Texans demand. So they're going to have to part ways for just a little less, but they're still going to be getting a haul. And the other thing was that Houston is comfortable and they actually do like Davis Mills, their rookie quarterback out of Stanford over Tua. So kind of going back to what Rohan's report was, you know, about how I, you know, I posted on the panelists earlier about how Washington could get involved 
in a three-team deal that would send Tua to that third team because he will not be going to Houston. So I think the thing here is, right, um, Miami's going to get a haul. Like, they're, they're going to get three first-round picks. They already have a – You mean Houston, pick. Houston. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, you're good. <laughs> Houston. So the thing is with Houston is uh, Miami has the 49ers pick as well for, for the next couple of years. So Houston's going to get a big haul for this, and I think that – They've been kind of, you know, before it was just like they were so against trading Deshaun Watson, especially when he was first asking out. But the criminal case just really like turned the switch there. And I think that now after months and months of deliberation, they're kind of like giving up. And I don't know. I think it's kind of hard for me to say Davis Mills is better than Tua. Like, yeah, it's been like five, six games of Davis Mills playing. But even Tua, who hasn't looked good at all, still looks better than Davis Mills. So I don't know, really know what their strategy is there. But it seems like Deshaun Watson's going to be going to Miami. I, I would, like I said, I would be very surprised if this deal isn't done by next Tuesday, which is when the trade deadline is. But do you guys think that there's any chance he goes anywhere else? I, I know that teams are still going to be offering. You said, Sean, you mentioned the Panthers. So is, is there an outside chance that anyone could swoop in at the last moment? We've seen that. We've seen it happen so many times in sports. I mean, I, I personally think that it's like people are saying it's not Miami or bust. There are other teams that Watson would um, waive his no trade clause for one of those teams is not the Eagles though, despite reports that have been stirring up all off season. What I've been seeing recently is that the Eagles are not a team that Deshaun Watson is interested in going to. Um, but the thing for the dolphins is that the reason why they're also not kind of pulling the trigger on this is because like the owner has already approved the trade. He said, go for it. Like, I, I know what you're giving up. Go for it. The issue with it, though, is that he wants to know about these legal issues. Like, what's kind of going on? Is that going to affect Deshaun Watson's playing ability either this season or heading into next year, too? If he's not going to be there for the start of the season next year, is this deal really worth making? Now, Commissioner Roger Goodell has said today that they don't have enough information to place him on the exempt list. So it's kind of like a toss-up right now. Is Deshaun, once Deshaun gets traded, will he be eligible to play? And then if he's eligible to play, like, you know, of course he will suit up, but then it's also going into next season. Then, you know, because this is going to be spilling over into the offseason as legal issues, so. Yeah, I mean, it's set. I think it's, you know, like you said, Dolphins owner Stephen Ross has approved the trade, but once legal issues resolved. So I think that Watson is refusing to come to a settlement with the women that are accusing him of what, whatever it is. And because he doesn't want to appear guilty. So I think that you're right. It will probably will spill over to this offseason. But my question is, like, even if he doesn't get any legal trouble, will Goodell still put him on the exempt list? Like, because that's happened before where they don't really get into legal trouble. Maybe it's they have to pay off, like, the victims or whatever it is. But they don't get into, like, any jail time or any fines from the government. But Goodell still puts them on the exempt list. So that would be interesting if when the case actually happens, Deshaun Watson is found not guilty or he uh, – goes to a settlement but Goodell still says no you're gonna be on the exemplist which could delay his playing time by another year so you know there's a possibility we might not see Deshaun Watson until 2023 which is pretty wild yeah no Deshaun Watson hasn't played like for a long time obviously right so him going to Miami I think it would take him some time to get used to the whole system of course in terms of him going to other teams especially the Philadelphia Eagles, there's no chance, no chance. Jalen Hurts, in my opinion, just like transitioning off a little bit. I still think he's, I think he was underrated coming into the draft. I still think he's an underrated quarterback in Philadelphia. I think the Eagles 
will end up being really content, especially with that whole Devontae Smith, Jalen Hurts connection. We see what's happening in Cincinnati with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Miami's the spot. Miami's the spot. Um, Tua, he's also just going off of what you said, Rohan. Tua, I do think he is a bust. I'm going to be completely honest. I think it's not because of his physical capabilities. I think it's primarily mental, given his whole injury from Alabama. I think it's really carried over towards the NFL. He's afraid to take the deep shots. He doesn't have the confidence to play. If you watch all of his games, the only passes he's been really able to officially complete have been like 10 yards or under. Wait, yeah. Real quick, I just, yeah, I'm kind of confused because Watson, all this time I said that he kind of, well, he kind of wants to play for a contending team. And now they're kind of sending him to Miami, most probably, right? So is that see, is still into that or? No, see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Look, it, wherever a good quarterback goes, you become a contender. Like that, that's how the NFL works. Like that is just how important the quarterback position is. Secondly, like not, not to stir off for you, but of course, Nihal is the one that shot first with the NBA example of Clay Thompson. Now the NBA example of this is Ben Simmons. It comes down to, yeah, I want to go to a contender, but hang on. If, if you can't get me to a contender, you know what? Just get me anywhere. Get me anywhere, but like just out of this town. And that, that's what's going on right now with Deshaun Watson. Like he is at a point where he's like anywhere but Houston. But now that Miami's on the radar, if he has the preference of choosing, hey, Miami or Philly, which one do I want to go to? He's probably going to go with Miami because, I mean, they got Brian Flores. They have an established head coach for there. He was with the Patriots for a long time, a lot of Belichick mentality. Philadelphia just doesn't have any direction. They also don't have any weapons on offense. It seems like a whole lot of nothing in Philadelphia. Miami, we know what they have. They have talent on offense. They got Devontae Parker, who's just not talked about because he's just not getting targets. You have, you know, Mike Isicki. Of course, shout out to Penn State, you know, tight ends over there. And then, of course, Jalen Waddell. He's looked pretty solid lately with Tua, good chemistry over there. And then Will Fuller. Will Fuller is, I think, like the key because Deshaun Watson and him, they, they literally have such great chemistry going back to their Houston days. So I think, that, you know, getting Deshaun Watson, you know, it's it's relevant to, you know, how we were talking about, you know, Kyle Shannon, San Francisco. When you get a good quarterback, when you have a quarterback that is that caliber and that confident in himself, it opens up the playbook. It makes the team a contender in and of itself. And dare I say it, like Deshaun Watson has the ability to lift this team to an AFC East title, division title. And I know that sounds super far-fetched because, like, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to discredit the Bills at all. But give him a whole offseason of prep, he will give the Bills a run for their money, and he will at least get Miami in a wild card. No, 100%. I think, like, like you said, Sean, a good quarterback masks a lot of bad football teams. Like, if you, even if you have, you know, bad defense, whatever it is, you know, bad receivers, bad running back, a good quarterback can change a lot of that. And – you know, I honestly thought before this whole Deshaun, Deshaun Watson situation, he was a top five quarterback in the league, you know, at least last year. So, you know, he's a f- phenomenal player. Just hope the situation gets resolved ASAP so we can kind of see him back on the field because he's a great talent. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I agree. Um, but kind of moving on into back into like, you know, teams that are actually playing with great players right now, the Tennessee Titans, you know, they look really good i mean given the fact that this team lost to the jets i mean i guess nihal nihal maybe if you want to provide a takeover there that week you should have said the jets beat the titans that would would have been great um but given the fact they gave up 27 points in an overtime loss to justin they just held patrick Mahomes and the chiefs to their like the least amount of points in 
the Patrick Mahomes era, for God's sakes. Um, and they also just beat the Bills the previous week. This team is literally on track to take the number one seed in the AFC. So do you think that the road to the Super Bowl, the road to Los Angeles for Super Bowl 56 will go through Tennessee? Honestly, it's hard for me to say that just because of the way the Bills are playing as well. I still think that the Bills are a you know better team than the Titans. If I if they played head to head, I I would pick the Bills. But you know, no discredit to the Titans. They've looked phenomenal. I think this is probably their best win of the season, most dominant win against the Chiefs, who honestly have been struggling. Their defense has sucked. You know, Patrick Mahomes looks subpar. What he's I think he has uh what is it more interceptions than Zach Wilson now? I think it's something like that. So it's it's been pretty bad for the Chiefs overall, but the Titans have looked phenomenal. Derrick Henry is still pretty much a monster most games. Um, you know, they're they're still using him as a bull rush guy. Tannehill has been, I think Tannehill is like he's a I, I don't want to say he's an elite quarterback, but I think he's good. He's kind of like better. I think he's definitely better than Jimmy Garoppolo, but he's kind of like Jimmy Garoppolo where he's good enough to get you to the Super Bowl if you have a good team surrounding you. You know, and I really said that this uh AFC, what what is it, AFC South South team would win the division if their offense came together and their defense kind of held it own because their offense is very ta- talented. So the defense just didn't have to screw it up. And so far, you know, holding the Chiefs to three points, as bad as they've been this year, that's still a very good accomplishment. So as much as I want to say the Titans are, you know, the best team in the AFC, it's just very hard for me to say that because of the Bills. But no doubt they've been phenomenal this year. I think when you look at the Tennessee Titans, you got Derrick Henry, who, you know, he came off of a great season, obviously. And typically running backs after having a season like that last season, they tend to have a little, you know, a little dip in their performance. But Derrick Henry hasn't showed that at all this season, honestly. So props to him. And I agree with Ryan Tannehill. He's not an amazing quarterback, but he's making use of his weapons. A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, he's doing what he is with his resources. So I do think this Titans team is impressive, but I don't think they have, I guess, the experience to necessarily take it to that Super Bowl level. I see him as an AFC championship team, but not necessarily a Super Bowl team yet. Um, but yeah, the Chiefs, it's, I think they'll be lucky to even get a wild card, uh, wild card spot this season. Um, their offensive line is honestly horrendous. You have a lot of contending teams in this AFC. You got the Browns, you got the Chargers. Chargers and Raiders, I believe, are going to compete for that AFC West title. You have, honestly, yeah, I mean, the Ravens, uh, Browns, and who's the third? And the Bengals, of course. There's a lot of contending teams in that whole conference. Yeah, no, certainly. And I mean, I think that I mean, that's just, that's pretty bold to say, like, you know, the Chiefs would be lucky to get a wild card spot. But I mean, I could, I definitely see where you're coming from. And this team is sitting at three and four. It's not a great look, but again, they have, they have an easy bounce back game against the giants. If they mess this up this week, like, I mean, I really have no words for that. Um, But last two matchups, I just wanted to highlight um, before, you know, wrapping this up over here, Cowboys and Vikings, you know, the Cowboys are five and one, the Vikings are three and three. I know their records don't exactly match up, but this Minnesota Vikings team is pretty solid and they're playing on Sunday night football. Halloween night. I mean, it doesn't really, it really does not get better than that. And I feel like these two like NFC powerhouses, they always put together a great game. So I'm honestly looking forward to it, but, and both these teams are also coming off a bye, by the way. So there's, it's really, it's a very even matchup. And I think that, you know, we're going to have a shootout over there, but who do you guys think is going to win that game? Uh, I mean, it's just hard for me to pick against Dallas at this point, just because just they've been rolling. Um, they are away, which is always, you know, iffy, but I think they've showed through six games, you know, like you said, because they had the bye. They've showed through six games. Dak Prescott is an elite quarterback. We really need to start talking about him 
as a top five, maybe even top three quarterback. It's hard for me to say that just because of how Patrick Mahomes has been playing this year. But I think he's I think he's still a top five quarterback in the league. You know, he's bounced back from that injury like it didn't even happen. Um, offensively, Zeke has been pretty good. I don't want to say he's, he's not been elite, but he's been pretty good. So I think, honestly, the Minnesota has kind of been struggling without Dalvin Cook a little bit. You know, Alexander Madison is a good back, but Dalvin Cook is coming back this week. He is healthy. So it's going to be a shootout for sure. I still think the Cowboys are taking it just because they're rolling right now. And I didn't expect them to be rolling this much, but there's no, there's no uh, reason for me to bet against the Cowboys until they give me reason not to. Wait, uh, I thought Dalvin Cook played this last week or am I wrong about that? Well, they were on the bye, but did he play the week before? Well, on the seventeenth, I mean, think, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, th- I think he did. I think he did play the week before that. But I mean, again, he wasn't, he wasn't like a huge, you know, like I guess factor. You could say he rushed for one hundred forty yards. <laughs> no, I mean, like regardless of that, though, like I feel like I feel like it's like the de- the defining thing though in the game is that like regardless of him running for rushing for one hundred and forty yards, like. It was. It came down to Kirk Cousins to save the day in overtime. So, like, I'm that's saying, true. like, he wasn't like exactly like the highlight of the game, like that. That's fair. I, Dalvin Cook, uh, Dalvin Cook did do his thing, um, but yeah, I mean, nonetheless, in terms of the Cowboys and Minnesota Vikings, I have to go with the Cowboys. Like I said, with Ryan Tannehill, Dak Prescott is a a better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill, and he's making use of his resources once again. Another resourceful quarterback. He got C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, great offense. I do expect Trevon Diggs to um, honestly get a pick against the Vikings with that pass having with that pass heavy offense. I but I do also expect Justin Jefferson to have an amazing game uh, against the Cowboys. Like Trevon Diggs, he's not a lockdown corner, he's not a shutdown corner, but he's a ball hog. That's what he is. Yeah, no, I mean, at least there will be a Diggs in Minnesota Stadium uh, once again this Sunday night. So that'll be fun to watch. And the final game that I want to touch up on is, of course, you know, my Green Bay Packers against the undefeated Cardinals. This will mark the most winningest matchup, I believe, in Thursday Night Football history, which is pretty crazy. I did not know that. It's 7-0 and versus 6-1. and The Packers have won six straight games. But, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you guys. Like, Devontae Adams are getting placed on the COVID list. And now with Alan Lazard too, like you're literally making it so impossible to be a seven and Cardinal team. And I believe that, I think Rohan, you were the one that was saying this about the Cardinals, or I might be wrong about how they've just kind of gotten away with matchups here and there. And I guess, you know, we're not going to discredit their undefeated record, but it's kind of like, okay, like, did you beat these teams at full health? And right now being a fan of, you know, my Packers, they're going into Arizona. I'm like, I'm like, damn, man, like, like, that, that's such a stupid way to kind of win a game. Yeah, I mean, honestly, this Cardinal team is really puzzling to me because I did not buy them at all as a contender during the preseason. And I'm still kind of confused at whether they are. I mean, you know, they are 7-0, so it, it might be absurd for me to say that. But just because of, you know, their matchups that they've had, you know, they, they just faced the Texans last week and absolutely slaughtered them as they should. And now this is going to – it would have been – I still think it's going to be a good game, but Alan Lazard and – uh Devontae Adams not being on the team for the Packers during this game is going to hurt them a lot you know Devontae Adams I think is probably the best receiver in the league right now and him not being on the field takes away a lot of the offense as brilliant as Rodgers is so you know they're going to catch a break there and it's going to be at Arizona so I think honestly this game is going to be like relatively high scoring not a shootout to say but I wouldn't be surprised if it like ends up ends up as like a game-winning field goal kick 
Um, but it's gonna be it's, it's gonna be a good game, I think, still. But you know, not having Devontae Adams there is gonna be kind of huge for Green Bay. I think uh Honestly, the Packers and the LA Rams are the only two teams on the Cardinals' schedule that can really give the Cardinals a run for their money. Yeah, you got the Cowboys, but I won't get into that. But yeah, I think the Packers have a good shot in upsetting the Cardinals this week without Alan Lazard and Devontae Adams. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to show why he is a top three quarterback in the league. The man just has like a knack for just showing up for these type of games in the spotlight. Yeah, I mean, you know, speaking off that, you know, stat, um, like, or rather, like what you were saying about him showing up at Spotlight, Aaron Rodgers has won 10 straight primetime games. And did you guys know that the Packers are undefeated without Devontae Adams in the lineup? They're 6-0. I did not know that until Aaron Rodgers did an interview at the Pat McAfee show. And I'm not going to lie to you, like the analyst inside of me is like, Green Bay's not winning this game. But the fan inside of me is like, oh, we got Aaron Rodgers. You know, we got hope. And one thing that I did want to say, you know, Rohan, before you jump in over here, is that this team or this game going to Arizona, going to State Farm Stadium, it's given me flashes of the 2015 season when Aaron Rodgers took a Cardinal team that went to the NFC Championship. This was in the divisional round. He, these were his receivers, guys. Jared Aberettis, Jeff Janis, Richard Rodgers, and like, I don't even know who, who the other guy was because Devontae Adams was out that game. He was injured with an ankle. Um, Jordy Nelson had a torn ACL that he hurt in the preseason. And Randall Cobb went out on the first drive on a deep ball that actually ended up puncturing his lung. He was rushed to the hospital. So I'm not going to say that, you know, this Packer team is going to win this game. But like a part of me is still definitely like, hey, you got Aaron Rodgers. You got number 12 in the pocket. There, there's always a chance. Yeah, I think with guys like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, they've been known to lift, like, no-name receivers to wins. Like, we've seen this over and over again. Like, Sean, out of that list, I only recognize the name Richard Rodgers, you know, the healthy receiver. Um, Obviously, Devontae and Jordy were hurt uh, and Randall Cobb. But I think the key for this game is really going to be if Aaron Jones can kind of get it going. He had a really disappointing game last week uh, against the Washington defense, which I thought would have been top five coming into the season, but they've honestly done anything but that. They've been one of the most disappointing teams in the league, honestly, the Washington football team. And I think a lot of that attributes to their defense. So Aaron Jones really needs to pick it up. Um, it's going to be hard against guys like Chandler Jones and JJ Watt, obviously, but he can really be an X factor for this team, but just going. I, so I think there's, there's a chance for the Packers to upset for sure. But regarding Nihal's comment, I honestly agree. I'm looking at the Cardinal schedule right now. I'm honestly shocked. Like they can genuinely go undefeated if they somehow beat the Rams again. I really don't see them losing. Um, another... yeah i don't i don't see them you know beating the beating the rams at all like coming up sorry i think it's lagging a little on my end um it... yeah no i mean you no, you're good i mean like what you what you want to say about the cardinals though yeah, I mean, okay, honestly, yeah, I did talk about Aaron Rodgers a little bit just now in terms of the Cardinals, uh, his matchup against the Cardinals. But if we look at the other side of things, Kyler Murray, I think if he wins this game in a dominant fa- fashion, I want to ask you guys a question. Do you think he's a lock for MVP, an early lock for MVP? And I mean lock. Kyler? If he dominantly beats the Packers team in the spotlight. I don't know. I would say, I would say that um... – Kyler Murray, honestly, like he he's looked great. And 
I just, I just think that Josh Allen or guys like that, or even Derrick Henry is dark horse for MVP. Like he's definitely elevated himself like into that conversation for sure. No, I don't, I don't think Derek Carr should be up there at all. Okay. I mean, if you're open to talk about it, I'm hoping to talk about it. I mean, I'm gonna make, make your case for Derek Carr for MVP then. I mean, I just look at this team, right? I, I think there's a whole, like, uh, emotional side to it, too, especially with the whole John Gruden situation. After John Gruden has left the team, Greg Olson has given Derek Carr, ironically, the car, the keys to run the offense. And he's been amazing. I mean, last week, he uh, or this week, he put up – he completed 91% of his throws, which is unbelievable. Um, he's, I believe, second in the league in passing yards. He's led this Raiders team to a 5-2 and two record. He, he's been unbelievable for this team. And if you look at his picks thrown even, like I, like, I don't think they're his fault, to be completely honest with you. Draw passes, draw balls. Obviously, the Willie Sneed one. Um, there is the one with Jalen Richard literally just, like, tapping the ball and whatever. Like, Derek Carr is the, the sole reason why this Raiders team is on top of the division right now. And if we're talking about most valuable – He's he's the most valuable player. Uh, I would I don't know. I mean, like I'd still make the case for like Aaron Rodgers over over, you know, Derek Carr for sure. I think that's just the fan, you know, just like talking at this point. But I don't know. We'll we'll see how the season unravels. I'd say. Um, but yeah, I like to compare the two quarterbacks, Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers. I feel like Derek Carr is like a B version of Aaron Rodgers. Very similar, I guess, like builds. Not build, I'd say, but like play styles. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, certainly for sure. But um, you know, wrapping up, I guess, on just like you know the you know the MVP talks per se. I mean, you know, Derek Henry, I think, is definitely the dark horse for MVP over there. But Rohan, do you have do you have anything to add in terms of the MVP conversation? Yeah, I mean, MVP is interesting this year. I think you know you can give it to Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Derek Henry. Uh, I honestly am rooting for Derrick Henry to win. It's been a while since any non-quarterback has won it. So if the Titans keep winning games and if they ha- if they can get a better record than the Bills, even if it even if they don't go far in the playoffs, obviously it's a regular season award. Derrick Henry is you know my dark horse to win it, and I'm honestly rooting for him to win it. No, that's definitely fair enough. But you know, some huge, huge, I guess, playoff races that are definitely shaping up now. And I'm, I'm really happy that, you know, we're halfway through the season. Hopefully, Nihal, it would be really cool to see if the division of the AFC West does come down to the Raiders and the Chargers, like you said. That would be pretty cool. Uh, you know, seeing the Chiefs on the outside looking in for once in the Patrick Mahomes era would be kind of refreshing as fans. Um, but, you know, the Cardinals and Titans, they definitely look like clear-cut favorites to potentially take the number one seed in each conference. But, you know... We're going we're gonna to see how this shapes out. Um, I just want to, Nihal, once again, thank you so much for joining us once again. Of course, your your takes on, uh, what was it, Jamar Chase and evaluating his game. Of course, Kyle Pitts as well. So appreciate that. Yeah, no, thank you for having me on. Uh, really love the podcast. Really love to share my takes. Um, hope everyone has a good one. Yes, sir. Thank you, Rohan, as well, for joining us once again. I mean, of course, even though you're here with me every single week, I got. I guess I got to thank you sometimes a little bit, just a tad bit more, Rohan. I appreciate <laughs> hey, what, you. I appreciate you. Once in a while, bro. Once in a while, I appreciate. I mean, you. you know, yeah, me and Rohan, <laughs> we've had we've had a long 24 hours, I and mean, we just we just did a crazy NBA podcast last night, so that's been fun. Um, but yeah, we will be coming back to you. You know, exactly a week from today, uh, trade deadline. So we'll have a great recap. Hopefully Deshaun Watson is moved by then. So it can kind of be like a weird, like breaking news slash trade deadline episode coming next week. But I'm really excited.
for um, what's to come. But, yep, that's all that we got for you today. Stay tuned for at the panelist.pod. Sean Rochon signing off with Rohan and Nicole.